200 years ago, in 1822, Isaiah D. Hart was wandering around in this area. Isaiah D. Hart uh, stole cattle and slaves. So he was a greedy, shady character. He decided that this land that he had amassed on the St. John's River, which was pretty much a dirt road, a couple of dirt roads and some wooden buildings, that he would apply for it to be named after Andrew Jackson, who was then governor. And Andrew Jackson, as you all know, if you've read your history books, was also a very shady character who would be responsible for the death of thousands of Native Americans, among many other things, and who was also, by the way, deeply insecure. So Isaiah D. Hart thought it would be a good political move to ingratiate himself with Andrew Jackson by naming this village, I guess you could say, Jacksonville. You can see pictures of what was then Bay Street. It looked like the Wild West. You know those wide dirt roads with the wooden buildings with very little ornamentation or paint? Except this must have been a very moist Wild West. And some 12 years later, just up the little hill, right on the edge of the village of Jacksonville, at the top of Billy Goat Hill, the Anglicans would plant a church, this church, in 1834. The site had been a Native American burial ground. It was always considered a holy spot probably because you could see a view of the river from the vista. I'm sure that Isaiah D. Hart could never have imagined the sprawling city that lies before us today. It would have been completely unfathomable to him. It would have not been something that he could have planned out or mapped out in any way. It was too large. The scope of those 200 years is too much for a human being to even understand. And yet here we are. And what will our future look like? We like to try to do that, don't we? To make strategic plans. Well, let me tell you something. I don't think God does strategic plans. The Holy Spirit, the word for spirit in the ancient Greek of the Gospels is the same as the word for wind. Could you make a strategic plan about the wind? 
No, it's completely unpredictable, right? So it is with God. Now, Joseph, I believe Joseph was a planner. Why do I think this? There is a very small phrase tucked in the Gospel of Matthew. Joseph, comma, after he heard, by the way, about Mary's pregnancy, quote, planned to dismiss her quietly. That little phrase tells you a lot about Joseph. I mean, some men who planned to marry a woman and then found out she was pregnant would have burst out in a hot temper rage, right? Some people would have wanted to disgrace her, yell a lot, make a scene, or at least ignore the whole thing. But no, Joseph wanted to plan. His response was not to react, but to calculate. And he wanted to dismiss her. He knew he couldn't marry her, but he wanted to do it quietly. And not so much because Mary had any prospects of marriage at this point. An unwed mother was not marriageable. But I think that Joseph just didn't want to make a mess. He didn't want to hurt her any more than she was already hurt. And so he planned and calculated and tried to keep things stable and quiet and reasonable. But that wasn't exactly the way that God often works, stable and quiet and reasonable. Sometimes, but often not. And so Joseph has a dream, and in the dream, the angel says, get up and move. I don't think what the angel told Joseph was part of his plan. I imagine Joseph, now folklore has it that he was a carpenter, I imagine he had amassed a, a little bit of a living for himself. He was probably older, had calculated that he could now take on a young wife, I imagine he had his life planned out, that he had lived in Nazareth probably his whole life, as most did, and would plan to die there. So when the angel came in his dream and said, get up and move, I bet that that was terrifying, especially for the strategic planning types like me or some of you. And remember, Joseph didn't have to pay attention to his dream. Not everybody pays attention to their dreams. My son Max, just two nights ago, dreamt that he saved the life of a penguin. Well, that doesn't mean that I'm going to move with him to Antarctica tomorrow so we can see if he can save the life of a penguin. We just both laughed about it and moved on. Well, Joseph didn't laugh about this dream and move on. He was devout enough, he loved God enough to sense that this was real. And despite his natural instinct to plan, he did what the angel told him to do. 
He got up, he took this young woman who he was not even married to yet, and he moved with her all the way the 90 miles down to Bethlehem, where he had no idea where they were going to stay or probably eat. And you can't tell me that this didn't cause him some anxiety. And then, scholars think Jesus was maybe about two or even three by the time the wise men arrived. It says they arrived at a house. So by this time, Joseph had figured out where to live with Mary, and he'd started planning and maybe setting up a life, right? And then the wise guys get there, and that's a little weird, but okay. He's still in Bethlehem trying to make a living, but then guess what? Another dream. And the angel says the same thing. Get up. Move. And I can imagine him saying, but I just got my life together here. And this time, the angel tells him to move to a foreign country. And so Joseph does. He gets up. He moves to Egypt where they live for at least a few years until the third dream. There's a lot of threes in scripture. It's a holy number. And the angel says again, get up. Okay, time to go back home. Just when he probably figured out how to live in Egypt. I imagine it took him that long just to learn the language. What is it about God Every time we get ourselves stable, something else happens. I think that many of us Christians have this weird myth that is completely unscriptural, that if we follow God, we're going to have stability and peace and everything will go smoothly. Wrong. The Holy Spirit doesn't speak in the future. Remember, God's name is not I will be, and it's not I was, it's I am. You can't plan love. Some people will say, I'm going to get married. I'm not going to get married. I'm going to do this or that. How do you know when love will come? Is that within your control? Really? No, God acts in the moment. And those of us who are planners, we've got to loosen our grip. We've got to be humble enough to realize that even our best laid plans are nothing compared with the elegance and magnificence of what God will unfold before us. But because we cannot see very far in the future, our plans are not the wisest. We have to trust in the movement of the Spirit. That is what faith is about. It's no kind of certainty or knowledge. It is simply putting your trust that God will lead you, not 20 years down the road, but today, in the present moment where the Spirit speaks. The angel didn't say, in two years, I think you're going to need to make a calculated risk. After seminary, I traveled to Israel, and 
and many of you know, I hiked in the Sinai Desert. Now, the Sinai Desert is not sand, it's rock. It looks like the moon. Now, I had bought the latest gear. I had the hiking boots. You know those pants that are lightweight but long so you won't burn, and long sleeve shirt, weird-looking hat, the works. It is so hot there that your sweat evaporates, so you can die within four hours if you don't drink. It's scary. So, of course, I had this all planned out. Nothing that I planned worked out, and most of the gear I brought was unnecessary. But one thing I did write was to hire a Bedouin guide. Jebali, his name was, man of the mountain. Jebel is mountain. A young man, he floated over the rocks in flip-flops while I was struggling in my hiking gear. And he said something to me in his native language that I have never forgotten. He said the word shweya, which means go gently, go slowly, step by step. He would say, shweya, 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 shweya. And he would float over the rocks, and I would struggle and sweat and agonize. He knew where the water was, and he could go from one wadi or oasis to the next. And that's how he took his life, from one wadi to the next, shweya, shweya, floating over the rocks, listening to the silence. If Joseph had not been willing to let his plans go out the window, the savior of the world would not have lived, would not have survived. Mary most probably would have died with the baby with her. But thank God that this planning, calculating, gentle man was able to go shweya shweya and listen to the angel, not knowing what was going to happen, but trusting that by following God's will, he was in fact going in the right direction. You know, they talk about this in recovery language. When people are addicted to a substance of some kind, and in the moment, they, that substance calls to them, you need a drink, you need a smoke, you need a dab pin, whatever it is. The person knows that they have to live in that very moment, and in that very moment to rely on God, one step at a time. They call it the 12 steps, not the 12 strategic plans. Because the only way to survive in this world, when we're tempted and distracted, disorganized and really don't know what's best for us half the time is to take it one step at a time. Shweya, shweya. What is God's will for me right now in this moment? Is there someone that I should be talking to or perhaps even better listening to? Am I supposed to get that extra bag of groceries at the grocery store? Am I supposed to write a card? God lives in the very present. And some of the things we think are insignificant or small are actually right where the Spirit lives. 
It doesn't have to be 10 years, 20 years down the road. What God does happens right here, right now, in the stuff of your breath and your dreams and the wind that blows. That is the language of love and the language of God. The I am. Amen.